Okay, you're listening to Soarcast, the one-stop shop deep dive where we discuss anything and everything about the greatest band of all time. Andrew Scott, Jay Ferguson, Chris Murphy, and Patrick Penland, collectively known as Sloan. We are your fellow superfan hosts. I'm Rob. This is Ken. Ken, my guy, how are you? Where are you? So this is the first uh, successfully remote episode of Sloancast. I am currently on uh, business in New York City. Um, you might be surprised to hear that I'm not a professional podcaster. Um, that's not how I earn my my bread. Um, but uh, I'm I ha- I'm in a hotel room right now. I hope my audio quality is okay. And I am happy to be talking about a topic today that we have touched upon on numerous episodes here um, over the course of the last year and a half or so. And the I forget what the what the quote is that. Uh, stealing is the is the highest form of flattery or whatever it is sure. in, in art. Um, I'll, I'll edit in the right quote there, but <laughs> we stole this concept of the super voice from the podcast, which we initially sort of modeled ourselves after Fabcast right. by my dudes Howie and the Bard. <laughs> and you know we'll we'll get into this soon, but uh, Sloan has a super voice concept happening in their in their foundation um and this is an element of the band that uh i think is men in many ways something that defines the sonic quality of the band but which you can't really put your finger on so this episode today will be devoted to putting your finger on the super voice dissecting what that is in 10 exemplary songs and talking about that in a little bit more detail. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I, I came across Fabcast from the guys in Sloan. I think right. JJ and Chris were sort of posting about it. And of course, who doesn't want to listen to a po- you know podcast about the Beatles? Uh, perhaps Andrew uh, and Patrick. But, anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, fantastic. And Howie and Barb, the two hosts are super knowledgeable industry guys who were around at the time and in the seventies and eighties, they'd met John as far as I can tell and had some interesting Mm -hmm. anecdotes and they go really deep on the content. Like they opine about the stuff that they like and whatnot. It's a lot of fun, but they're also industry guys who had the inside scoop and they've got the statistics. And while we're not those guys, we hope that we can kind of like, you know, do at least 50% of the job just being giant (laughs) giant fans and kind of just giving our opinion on things. Um, But anyway, when they refer to the super voice, obviously, as you were saying, they're referring to John and Paul singing in unison and the same melody you know like uh i'm trying to think of an example of a song all my loving all my loving and then at some point they go they 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 separate into the harmony Um, that's right so that's the fabcast uh version of super voice whatever whatever let's let's take a step back there what what makes the super voice the super voice and i think that this is something that we'll get into when we talk about the examples but to preview that it is the timbre of the two voices individually right combining to give the feeling as though that is one larger voice so we see this in the beatles you can talk about annie freed and agneta in in abba having the same quality it's a very um it's it's hard to put your finger on it makes it sound as though it's something bigger than it is Mm. um so what's the difference between that concept of, of super voice and what's happening in sloan Right. Well, in Sloan, we don't have so often, there are a couple of small examples where, uh, you know, two singers are singing the same melody, but for the most part, we have referred to the super voice being Chris and Patrick singing together. And where there are throughout the discography in the Sloan canon, uh, plenty of examples of Chris singing with Jay, you know, Patrick backing Jay, like maybe a little less so, Chris and Patrick backing Andrew, and obviously with 
Goose in the mix the past 15 years. They've got him backing everybody as well and taking lines. But uh, for us, I mean, we, we kind of focus in on when, when we're talking about the songs that are probably the most known in terms of singles uh, and the, the quality of voices that are similar in a way, I guess, to the Beatles in that, like, you know, Paul had that smooth silk and John mm-hmm. was sort of the rougher raw and Patrick and Chris have both of those qualities themselves. And yeah. not that they're necessarily, I think they just naturally have those voices, um, but their voices and, and it's, it's hard to, uh, you know, hard to deny that when these two guys are singing together, as we've mentioned countless times on the show before, there is a magic that happens. Um, that's, that's absent when they sing their own harmonies on a record, for example. And I mean, the lion's share of uh, Patrick's songs for the past albums, how it predominantly him. And, and a lot of times, yeah. you know, uh, Chris is singing with himself, for example, although I think he really goes out of his way to get other singers on his songs, especially yes. Patrick. And, and, and thank God he does that because when they do, when these voices combine and we'll talk about the layering and who's taking lead and who, what's who's singing what harmony as we go through these songs, we've got some examples here that the listener can, you know, check out as we play some clips hopefully and then maybe go and listen to a little more in depth and just really appreciate what's going on and you know through my fandom um you know it's easy uh, to uh, we, we i just saw them at the phoenix within the past month uh, as of this early recording early 22 2022 and you know you can watch the show and maybe take for granted what's happening on stage vocally um especially now like i said with multiple like, you know with sure. with greg with that extra voice in there but yeah. you know chris and patrick specifically singing together there is a magic there that is undeniable and you know hard to totally put your finger on and describe we'll try to do our best to do that but that's what we're referring to when we talk about super voice we're talking about chris murphy and patrick Penland singing together can yeah. go we decided to narrow it down to 10 songs to be frank i thought that there would be more examples of this throughout the catalog right um when i was going through because we were talking about this episode uh we've been talking about it for a little while and we've certainly been talking about the concept of the super voice for a little while as though this was something much more pervasive within the sloan catalog where really going into the material and looking at track for track uh album for album where does the super voice happen there aren't a whole lot of instances where this is quantitatively happening but the songs in which this takes place are the songs that define the band from a, a public perception perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also from a, how do you, what are the things that stick in your mind if you're a casual Sloan fan uh, or even, you know, even a more experienced Sloan fan about the band? Um, what are the songs that define that? And so if we're going to choose 10 of those, we have to start right away with Underwhelmed. Yeah. Which was the first, you know, Underwhelmed is the kickoff for this band. It is the song that they started with. It is the song that they um, that they applied for the Here and Now grant money with, essentially, to record their first EP, yep. um, which essentially led to their first album, which led to the Geffen contract. I think even Andrew, which, Andrew said in his interview, like when he showed up to hang out, it was that was yeah. the song. That was the first one they all yes. kind of played together. This is the, the story of Underwhelmed is basically the story of the beginning of the band. Yeah. Um, and in many ways, the story of the band, period. Um, and we talked about this with a number of our guests, with Terry Pulliam for sure. What was the thing about Underwhelmed that stood out to him as this, you know, recording technician with a professional background looking at this emerging band? What was the special thing that stood out to him? It was this interweaving melody of Chris and Patrick 
which didn't exist in the here and now version, but when it came time to record Peppermint, um, came out of the woodwork and it just felt so natural. And so my, you know, my, my take about Underwhelmed is these are two guys singing two completely different melodies on the same song meeting in the middle at points in time, you know, certainly doing the classical uh, third or fifth harmonizing in certain points in time, but it feels as though they're kind of both telling their own story over the course of the song. She's Yeah, I mean, well, to kind of take a step quick back, I mean, it, you know, on, on the records, there aren't that many examples of it. But obviously live, like if you listen to Four Nights or if you see the band live or the sure. Between the Bridges 2000 release that came out just a couple months ago, um, that's the energy and power of the live show is that, you know, where Patrick or Chris may have recorded with their own voice on a record, they sing together live. And for me, that's always yeah. what just like is – it makes their show can't miss for a number of reasons. But I mean, that's one of the great ones is that you hear these songs with the two guys singing them because they have that power uh, and the layer and the quality yeah. of both of their voices. So, but getting back to Underwhelmed, um, yeah, something that I remember uh, noting early on is when you first hear the song, it's kind of hard to tell when they start singing the harmony, who's singing what. Yeah. Um, and, and as we go through these songs, we'll kind of note this. Generally, it's the lead singer singing the main melody, and then the, you know, the other plays the, you know, sings the harmony of the second part. Um, but Underwhelm's interesting in that Murph, he's, he's singing the main melody of, you know, she was underwhelmed, if that's a word. And, uh, but by the time he goes to the chorus, he's now, Patrick mm-hmm. takes over that melody, and Chris does the lower harmony, you know, like, yes. said you was funny, I said you are funny. So funny, <laughs> interesting, that, um, and that was really apparent to me, there's that great DVD on the A-Sides Win collection, where they're playing on Ralph Bemergi in like 93 or something, and, and Chris's vocals yeah. are really high, and you really notice that he's singing that lower register. Um yeah. And as, as, as I said, we'll go through the songs and kind of note this, but I think Chris is more, is more comfortable in that lower register. Patrick is more comfortable in the higher register singing with power. Um, so perhaps yeah. that's why yeah. that song came out that way. But, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, that was the thing that I kind of noticed right away. And that is really what makes this song unique in a way, is that you know Murph isn't singing just the main melody the whole time with Patrick backing him. Murph, when it gets to the chorus, and, and to create that really lush chorus that occurs in this song, which is undeniable yeah. when you hear it and see it live, um, it's Murph going down a step. Really interesting. Well, and that's the thing is that, you know, in, in, in traditional harmonizing in pop rock, Beatles included, to be completely frank, and who were, you know, I wouldn't want to say innovators because that that material existed prior to the Beatles having kind of um, galvanized it and put it into mainstream music. But the idea of harmonizing was always, okay, I'll sing the melody, somebody will sing the third or the fifth above me, and I'm not, so first of all, not a music theory guy. Um, but a third and a fifth is really the third note on an eight note scale above the melody. And the fifth is the fifth note on the scale above the melody. And those are two, and you can mix in a fourth in there. And those are, those are two or three harmony patterns that are more or less proven to be pleasing to the ear. You're creating a Um, chord. You're creating a chord. That's right. You're creating a chord. 
That's right. That would be the traditional way of approaching it. And somebody's always the top voice and somebody's always the bottom voice, whereas the Sloan super voice, not in all cases, and we're a little bit flexible with this definition, is the double helix of somebody's going up, somebody's going down, but they're always kind of interweaving through each other, which is what you're getting right off the bat in Underwhelmed. And they're pretty much singing the whole time. Yeah. Like Chris is obviously taking the lead, um, but you know, those choruses are really long. The song's like almost five minutes long. So for the majority of the song, at least half to three quarters of it, it's Patrick and Chris singing together. And you see them in the video, like cheek to cheek, you know what I mean? Like there's just something about these two guys singing together. And the magic is just how great their voices sound together, you know? And I wonder, I have to think about, you know, like obviously, Chris and I'm sure the other guys were aware of Patrick as they were bringing the band together and they would have seen Happy Co and so on. Um, And I have to just imagine, I mean, did they have the foresight early on or did Patrick just come in as a bass player and then, oh, by the way, he's got this incredibly perfect voice that's going to go excellently with the other guy who's like the primary singer at the time. Um, you know, and 500 up is another example of that too, where, the, sure, where sure. I mean, you can kind of interchange either of these, a lot of singing together and super voice happening in that song too. Um, but well, yeah. and throughout, throughout smeared. And that's where I also ask myself, because these guys did not have formal musical training, you know, with certain exceptions, Patrick comes into the mix and I feel as though a lot of this is Patrick contributing that sense of where do I need to create friction in the harmony? How can I shape a melody around the main melody to make it sound interesting? Uh, And of course, and this is something that the guys talked about as well, and that Patrick alluded to as well, but the influence of, of, of things like My Bloody Valentine and Loveless coming out that year, where you have that constantly harmonizing background female voice, which Patrick can emulate in a more masculine way, Arranging throughout the throughout that first album as as a strong influence, you know, to what extent do those influences pay into what we get in Smeared? And I would argue that's a big thing. And I would argue that that's an underappreciated thing through throughout the the the, the range of that band's catalog over the course of the years. Is that is that defining moment in that in that very first album and in that very first song on the very first album? And how that acts as a fingerprint for the Sloan sound, as it were. You know what? There's nothing worse, and I'm sure people will recognize this, when you go to a show, or even if there's some big band and they're playing on Saturday Night Live or whatever, some live performance on TV or something, Mm -hmm. nothing worse than, you know, the rhythm guitar player or the drummer or somebody hitting the mic and the vocal just sounds (laughs) like shit. Or they've got the mic just kind of right. standing there, but nobody's really singing or whatever. Right. That's such a pet peeve, you know. And and I, you kind right. of hand- purposefully in the mix turn it down so you can kind of get the sense that he's singing. Yeah, yeah. But it's really, like, it's yeah. like that guy in Bush X isn't singing a backup <laughs> or whatever. Like fuck off. But I mean, that's again the magic of these guys. I mean, let me allow me to count the ways. You know, if 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 it's ninety two and you're seeing these guys right under the shoot. Uh, it's it's not a matter of a lead singer with an okay backup vocalist. Everybody's a lead singer. Everybody's voice yeah. is powerful. And Patrick yeah. is a lead singer himself. So when he sings backup, he's hitting those high harmonies or he's going under the voice. And his yeah. voice is just as strong as Murph's and has a quality yeah. that just slides next to Murph so perfectly. And that, as far as I'm concerned, really set them apart. Like who in their you know, formative years were even remotely comparable. And then throughout the years, who who was comparable in terms of contemporaries? Yeah. And I would suggest nobody. 
Well, and that's another thing that gives you the, the illusion, or really, I mean, maybe it's not just an illusion, but maybe it, maybe it's a, a true impression that this band is 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 really quite collaborative in its setup, to the point where if I hear as you know, a first time listener or an amateur listener, if I hear underwhelmed or Money City Maniacs, I don't know right off the bat, is that a Chris song? Is that a Patrick song? It's a Sloan song. When I, you know, even having had one chord to another for two years and having listened to that album, that was my entry point to the band. When Money City Maniacs dropped, I didn't like, could I, the video was super focused on Chris and Patrick. And when I listen to the music and how it was produced and how those harmonies work, I couldn't tell you this is a Patrick song. Is it a Patrick song? Same same goes for if it feels you do it. Like it's kind of a Chris and Patrick song. Yeah. You know, so that's for me, that's part of that super voice. Is it's 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 not just the timbre, it's not just the harmonizing, it's the sharing of the content, it's the sharing of of the material. Yeah. And and that ability to blur the line is what makes them so unique and special too. And that's the fun too. I mean, I think as the years go by and as you're more familiar with the band, you can kind of, kind of pick out whose song it is. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful uh, blurred line when it's, and it, when it's difficult to pick out and right. um, like you, and, and we've got songs on this list that are in that vein. Absolutely. Right. I was going to say not, too. Not, yeah, sorry, not in the controversial Robin Thicke kind of way, but in, in the wholesome kind of way. Exactly, Robin Thicke. Um, first mention on Songcast. Hey, um, <laughs> future guest, Robin Thicke. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think here about like contemporaries and stuff. And I mean, like, I know they're kind of buddies with, you know, Chris is at least with Stephen Page. And you think about Bernie and Ladies kind of coming up around the same time, and they were really vocal heavy. But I mean, there's, yeah, there's, a, sure. there's a band, their example of a band, they're like a step away from Weird Al and a step away from being a, a kids <laughs> band, you know? So that's, that's not to say um but uh, i i really i love I gordon as a seven-year-old that was my jam yeah I, I i listened to gordon on some trip to a like a grade seven ski trip or whatever <sighs> anyway and then i got into real music but anyway so uh yeah, yeah but it's, so it's 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 funny i i really try to think about it i can't think of any contemporaries that are no. that are this vocally superior uh and then just add to the fact that they've been around for so long and their songs have had such a great quality anyway blah 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 um but anyway underwhelmed like you said is that entry point it's not only the entry point to the band and their story of the band and the first song they ever played but it's a right out of the shoot fantastic example of what we refer to as the super voice these two unique voices coming together and melding and creating something yes. that's greater than the sum of their parts let's continue through the list i i don't think we need to do a particular order about this it's not about ranking the super voice songs right. um I would like to contrast what's happening in Underwhelmed with what's happening in another song which exemplifies the super voice from a different perspective. Give me that ostensibly a Chris song, which is so powered though by that combination of Chris and Patrick and by these really, I mean, so we have the intertwining double helix thing happening where you notice that Patrick is really carrying the high harmonies and the super high harmonies um, throughout much of the song. But if you listen to it, what, what makes it special is that he also goes down below Chris's line to let Chris shine for a minute. Um, and that, it doesn't sound like 
you know, two guys singing lead on this song, but it, it wouldn't be the same song if, if it was Chris singing his own backup vocals. That's my, that's my take on Give Me That, is that this is a great example of, you know, mixing the timbres and what you said beforehand, you know, and what you've been saying over the course of the past year and a half, Patrick is that silky smooth where you feel as though he's auto-tuned. But it can be auto-tuned because, well, give me that would have been, you know, it, it could have theoretically from a chronological standpoint been auto-tuned. But, you know, if you listen to to stuff off of smear twice removed one chord before auto-tune, he's just so like tonally perfect. And he has such a silky, it almost sounds, and this is when he harmonizes with himself, it's almost like a phaser because it's so perfect that he, if he subtracts minus one percent you know tuning that it, it it sounds like it's flanging you know and that's um and that you know you kind of get that as well on on a song like give me that and that just adds a a sense of excitement i think to to a song that you know if it would have just been chris harmonizing with himself um wouldn't have existed quite frankly Absolutely. And I got to tell you, man, nothing better than <clears throat> existing in 2003, being a Sloan fan, Action Pack comes out, and Gimme That is the first song. Like, I mean, totally. what a, just a, it's an atomic bomb dropped on your ears. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's kicks so much ass, and it's the two, it's the two of them singing the whole time. And really, I mean, to, you know, it's the answer 10 years later to Underwhelmed. It's essentially the sort of 2003 action pack version of Underwhelmed in a way, in that sure. it's the first song, sure. in that it's the two voices. Um, it has a, an element of call and response that is present, perhaps on other smeared related songs, and not so much Underwhelmed with. Um, Things like Chris taking the lead, you know, still I can decide, and Patrick, you know I can't decide. I love the, that part where they're they're singing together, and that's really what makes uh, Smeared and Action Packed somewhat similar in a weird way as the two outliers in the discography in that on both albums the guys are really performing their primary duties you know like i don't think there's a whole lot on smeared or on action packed where no yeah where the guys are singing with themselves or whatever it's it's more or less them harmonizing with each other and then playing their primary mm-hmm. live instruments as well they're the albums that also lack a quote-unquote real andrew song right and so they're it's it's it's, it's chris and patrick's territory both albums yeah um and you know they they capitalize on that quite well as as a complete package that album just works so well um in terms of you know just the guys in their primary positions and uh, i love giving that as a first song and i can't wait to do an action-packed episode at some point (laughs) not that every episode of sloancast is not action-packed but yeah it's i think it's criminally underrated i know that guests that we've had on the show have their own opinions about action packed and i think if you're if you're either of the first or third generation of sloan fans that you would have a different perspective on action packed than if you are like us in the second generation where you're kind of coming of age with action packed and where that tour is happening um and where you, you you see a band reaching maturity and really hoping that it will do well for itself um and that it will continue to persevere that action packed has a different meaning for you than if you, you know, became a Sloan fan in 2012 or whatever, or if you became a Sloan fan, quite frankly, in 1992, um, that would, that would seem alien, but it's, you're right. It's Sloan playing to their strengths, which includes the intermingling of Patrick and Chris on vocals. 
Yeah, with Action Packed, it's a record that has really aged well. I mean, I mean, and you can kind of make that argument for the entire, the entirety of their discography. But um, you know, you listen to Action Packed today, and it's not like oh, you know, two thousand three called or whatever, because um, they because yeah. this band constantly exists out of the of, out of the current musical climate. Um, yeah, but yeah, fantastic. I don't know oh, what else can 100%. we say about Give Me That. Anyway, about the vocals specifically, um, you know, it's just pretty much the entire song. The, the verses are Chris and Patrick singing together, and then the chorus is a, is a call and response. So pretty much the entire song, they're they're vocalizing together, which is obviously the treat. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, it still feels like a Chris song. It's still his time to shine, but the the complementary work they do for each other is uh, is in this case very very apparent. I maybe want. to pivot to a patrick led song sure. next. i want to quickly feels like, um, we, we should do that yeah. i want to just quickly make one last note and a challenge to the guys obviously as of this recording thir- the uh, 13th album is not out yet um but uh, you know I, I love and you were talking about it, it's obviously a chris song it certainly is he's he's calling out nickelback and stuff and uh yeah. you know i kind of long for the sloan that name checks other bands and calls people out you know um the, the, i don't know if the much music video awards are even a thing anymore and i don't know if people make oh, videos yeah. anymore or whatever but you know that was always a treat was seeing them kind of like subversively show up on tv with these other people and kind of like low-key make fun of them or whatever but uh yeah i'm, I'm you know the good old days i crave you know i i crave a little bit of that 2003 roguishness of the band if it you know if that if that makes sense um i'm not sure if you can be roguish and 13 albums into here but you know ask the rolling stones the like i said i'd love to pivot to a patter song for a third example of a super voice maybe we can go to losing california let's do it where it's interesting because we've talked a lot about patrick nonchalantly just taking on these super high notes and making it sound like it's easy as that shit in losing california the energy for me and especially when you get that key change at the end mm comes from hearing chris and i don't think it's a struggle per se i mean he's certainly got a great voice that it has a huge range but he's give he's putting a lot of effort into reaching those high notes maybe effort is not the right word he's putting a lot of passion into reaching those high notes and it makes it gives it gives the song a completely different drive Whereas if you have, I understand. Yeah. Right. Listen to I understand. Maybe maybe it was a little, little bit pitch corrected, but it just sounds easy peasy, breezy, lemon squeezy, right? For Patrick to harmonize with himself on that super, on that super high. I think it's a D. Yeah. Um, that big I understand. You know, yeah. Sure. Whereas contrast that with how Chris is singing on the last bit the coda essentially of losing California when they do the key change. And it's, you know, if you watch that live, he's really given his all into that, into that backing vocal performance, which gives the whole song a drive that you wouldn't have in a song. Like I understand where it's really all about that, you know, that well-rounded silky smooth. 
Um, and that's what stands out to me in this Super Voice set. Yeah, I mean, talk about a record like Between the Bridges. I mean, we all just saw that Between the Bridges live concert that just came out, like I was saying. And you yeah. know, when you hear the record, it's one thing, but seeing Chris per- physically perform those live yes. backup focus, I'm thinking yes. of a song like Don't You Believe a Word or this song, for example. Yes. He's really pushing it and he's going really high. Uh, and because he has that quality and that strength in his voice, I mean, it like you said, it just takes the song to another level. Um, and then and, and, and on, on Losing California, you know, Patrick's got that, that totally killer lead and Chris's voice is just dynamite in the background every time he comes in. And this is sort of yeah. where I have a bit of a – where I'm slightly conflicted and I've got to ask you, you know, this is uh, – is it the first example on the list so far? I think it is. Where Patrick is the lead vocalist and Chris is singing yes. with him. Because as you go through these songs, you'll note that the, vo- the backing vocalist is generally a little bit behind in the mix or it's panned slightly. Yeah. Um, so, so to hear Patrick as the lead vocalist, the same two guys singing together, uh, but to hear Patrick in the lead and Chris in the back, I almost am conflicted. Like, which do I prefer? Patrick in the lead with Chris on backing or Chris in the lead with Patrick on backing? Yeah. And I got to controversially say, like, I kind of almost in a way, looking through this with the songs, my favorite combo and mix is Patrick in the front with Chris behind him. Like, I, I'm oh, a Chris yeah. guy. And I love all his shit. And I love Patrick singing on Chris's songs. But there is a special magic with Patrick, but so to put it in the context of your, yeah. to put it in the context of your Sloan musical, it yeah. Patrick is, you know, like Chris is is the guy who you want to cameo on your, on your on your songs. Totally. He's coming in as like the big brother. Yes, you know, he's got your back. He's the Kurt Cameron Chris is here. Yeah, if we're gonna familiar voice, <laughs> and he, yeah, but he's. I think that that speaks to the character in his voice, and not that I'm trying to, you know, say that the other guys in the band don't have character because these guys are just dripping with character. Yeah, yeah. But Chris has a voice that is you can't mistake it for anybody else's voice. Yeah. So that when he's doing backup vocals, it adds a richness, I think, to the performance that you wouldn't have otherwise. So you know that works in some cases for a single for like a pop single like losing california where you want it to pop yeah right with a key change at the end where you really want that high 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 melody uh high high harmony you know that that makes total sense i understand kind of an album track um you know kind of a more introspective bit of a cerebral thing makes sense that that's patrick on patrick so i agree with you i actually think that chris is backing up patrick adds a thickness and a depth to the track that you would not have otherwise that, you know, you don't really get when Patrick is backing up Chris. Yeah. Patrick on Patrick, by the way, is my hope, hopeful title for the eventual Patrick Penland autobiography, by the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was going to say Chris is sort of Patrick on Patrick <laughs> violence. When we talk about like Simpsons and stuff, you know, I, I don't know if Chris is the Poochie because Poochie was really only around for one, for one episode. I would say Chris is more of the most Sizzlack to Homer when he's doing backup. Like he's, he's a reoccurring character <laughs> who has a really quality voice. Anyway, I'm just off the rails. I said, I said Mayo last episode anyway. Um, but anyway, but, and, and if you really think about it, I mean, a lot of the bigger hits obviously are Patrick penned and um, he's, the, sure. he's the primary vocalist. And then you've got Murph in the background, you know, at good and everyone is another example of that. Uh, obviously. Um, and, and again, like there's just a magic to these two guys singing together. And I really, I, I just love Patrick's strong lead with Chris, with the power as a, as a harmony in the vocal, in the background. Yeah. But so where let's move to the next one. Number four, 
what's the most famous example of that? As like, if you were a non-Sloan fan, and if you were, if you had to name three or four Sloan songs, what's the most famous example of the super voice that you can name? Uh, well, have we already? We haven't talked about Money City yet. Well, that's it. Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, that's you know, Money City Maniacs. That's I don't know. I we're so at Sloancast. You know, we're this is a podcast that dwells for hours and hours and hours on minutiae uh in you know in in this you know fairly successful canadian bands repertory that few people you know in a, in a comparative hey hey it's repertoire comparative sense you know really like think or care about but we we haven't really talked about money city maniacs because i always feel as though money city maniacs is like obviously it's an amazing song yeah. everybody knows that have you been to a canadian nhl hockey game before it's right there you know it's it's like it's like uh, talking it's about hey jude or can't get no satisfaction or something yeah for sure it's you know why why dwell on it because it's already great and we don't need to convince you about that but listen to what's happening in the harmonies in the chorus listen to chris's high part on patrick's low part and then listen to how they covertly switch verses you know without making a sound out of place it sounds, and this is what I said, is that depending on the production style of the song, um, you can kind of swap out Chris and Patrick on a song without making it seem as though it's this disjointed thing. Yeah, that's again another good point. Show me another band that can do that, that can mid-song switch vocalists and have it actually take go up a notch. I mean, like, Christ, I remember the yeah. first time I heard that song, you know, you're watching the video. It's so fucking cool. Everybody looks amazing. Andrew's, like, super into it on the drums. Jay's just standing there for the whole first verse because he doesn't, he's not playing, and he's just, like, hands on his hips, cool as shit. He knows his part's coming up. He's ready to rock. And, you know, and then that second and the, and the first verse is amazing. And then they, they, they hit into the second verse and here comes Chris with a fucking a verse that's completely different from the first, <laughs> a little bit louder, and a little bit worse. Um, <clears throat> anyway, but yeah, it just nobody else can do this. Nobody else is doing this at this level. I mean, did the Beatles do that? Not really. I mean, like they had like, you know, uh, um, two of us or I'm trying to think of an example. Um, what's that one song? Uh, I, I got a feeling, you know what I mean? Which, which sure. I've just been rewatching Get Back again, so it's kind of fresh on my mind. Right, yeah. But I mean, yeah, and yeah. they're kind of singing two right. different parts over the same melody, and then eventually they kind of sing over top of each other. But then we're talking about a completely different thing here, you know? Like they yeah. have a completely separate verse here that just totally works, and Chris's verse actually takes the whole song up a notch. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, it, Money City Maniacs is unique in the catalog because it's. I think it's sort of like an album in a song in many ways. It, it, it feels like it's separate from the rest of Navy Blues. It feels as though, you know, from the Siren intro, which is programmatic in many ways, like it feels as though you're really introducing something new through that beacon. Um, through the ACDC bass riff, which is ripped out, you know, it's ripped out of um, uh, Livewire. Is that Livewire, the one? yeah. And then you've got this kind of interesting harmonizing in the chorus that when chris goes up to right like that that curve up just adds depth to 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 the vocals that you don't expect really and it's uh it's special it's it's quite frankly it's just it's it's something special and juicy about that song (laughs) 
of course, then you have Chris taking over the next verse, which you don't even really notice. Like, you don't even really notice that Patrick passed the baton over to Chris. So this is, again, a thing, a very sly thing. Certainly, we know now, retrospectively, and I did not know this as a 14-year-old or whatever, hearing the song for the first time, but this is a very collaborative track and a track based off of just jamming, right? Which goes to show you the rapport that the band has with itself, which I think, you know, in many ways, they would not be super not be super open about acknowledging but i think that they have a visceral rapport with themselves that uh comes to the forefront when you see how they write songs like this yeah totally i mean i like to imagine that they know when they're onto something you know and they're able to kind of push uh at least you know i I can imagine chris really being the one kind of pushing like hey let's do this together let's sing this together um or or introducing an idea because as far as i recall like uh, money city is patrick's song and then chris kind of wrote a separate song over the same riff and then they kind of combine them together is that correct something something to that effect um but again we were talking in the last song about chris taking a high harmony he's really going high here too Uh, and then as you get to the explosive ending of the song you've got them almost basically harmonizing the yeah 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 like they're they're harmonizing the shouting of the yeah at the end even Mm. um so just a, a powerful powerful song with with that again that super magical voice of the two of those guys singing the lead throughout the whole thing again this is my preference patrick and the lead chris high harmony um can't beat it cannot be beat right so for number five if we can go a little bit more introspective off of never hear the end of it live the life you're dreaming of Super voice examples are pervasive throughout the entire song. It's not all about them sharing lead vocals. I feel as though a lot of the stuff that makes that melding of the two voices attractive is when it's a feature um, and when maybe it's even just a chorus feature. But listen to Patrick, you know, hit those super high notes, and he's probably doubling his vocals, his backing vocals on this track uh, towards the end of Live the Life You're Dreaming of. And it gives that that almost metallic sheen, you know, that really ethereal kind of, if you're talking about a song with the word dream in the title, and if you're talking about material, you know, that really needs to be ascend, ascending up to somewhere, you know, to, to, to give that song a quality, uh, who, who would you want to have do your backup vocals for that song? Uh, other than Patrick Pentland, who can hit that high note at the end and not make it sound forced? And Patrick has a quality in his voice on this song where <clears throat> he really is – and Chris, I, I guess you could call it the bridge part, like the who wants to live a life that's full of smoke and mirrors part. Um, right. They share the vocal there, and they kind of go back and forth. And it's not Patrick so much harmonizing, obviously, with Chris. He's just, again, like we said earlier, he's taking his own separate part. You know, like, we know this – But it's up in the mix, too. He's high there, yeah. And like, we know this, but promises yeah. of love and career. And Patrick with, keep everyone intimidated. Like, that's just that amazing voice in the background. Like, you can't miss it. That's not Chris singing with himself. That's Patrick there. And, you know, anytime when you're listening to the records and it sounds like they're there in the room or on stage singing with each other – that's always just a magical moment yeah. for me. Absolutely. And plus, he name drops uh, my personal favorite manatee of all, 
humanity um, <laughs> in the in in sort of yeah. He's got the silvery verb. He's got the silvery reverb on his voice. Um, the way that this was produced, the the whole album, the verb on this album, it kind of sounds as though it was done in an early version of Logic, but it's done so consistently throughout the entire album. Uh, and it gives this this shimmer. And combining that with Patrick's voice as a backing vocal on uh, on a Chris song like Live the Life You're Dreaming Of, just like I said, it gives this this ethereal quality that um, stands out not just versus other bands, you know, but it stands out within within their own catalog. It, it struck me again, man, as, uh, preparing for this episode again, how unique Never at the End of It and 2011's Double Cross are in terms of just their overall sound. Yes. Like Double Cross especially, yeah. it just doesn't sound like anything. But um, as I was saying to the, the line previously where Patrick gives the uh, Keep Everyone Intimidated line, maybe the clip for this song is the next part, um, but you, but not you, my love, you can see the truth. Like just their two voices mm-hmm. in that um, when they sing My Love together. Like, oh, it's just so yeah. moving and the music behind it. I mean, again, these are like, these guys are just the greatest, you know, and they're up there. Yeah. You know, you take your top five bands and put it up against these dudes, man. Like, not that, that it's a competition or whatever, but, um, you know, it's yeah. just another reminder of like, this is the music that just like makes your heart beat. And you referenced Double Cross, maybe moving on to number six, Living in the Shadow of Love similar idea although you know this is i i think you can maybe uh claim this is more of a shared lead thing um and it's certainly another example where patrick is up quite high in the mix so chris is taking the lead similar to underwhelmed in many ways chris is taking the lead on this um and it's certainly a chris song you can tell by the uh, just even the lyrical content and how he wrote it but um, it's a uh, it, it, it really is 50 50 in terms of effort and in terms of who's carrying you know who's who's carrying the the sound I think that once you get to the part you know who let who's down who let who down who who broke whose heart then you start to also get that resonance that you have and live the life you're dreaming of with that perfect dose of reverb on Patrick's uh, backing harmonies which makes it almost sound again it makes it almost sound as though he's facing with yeah. with Chris's yeah. And this is where we got to be careful here because we are now in the era of Greg so you know, sure. there is in that vocal harmony, you know, the shadow of love line, when they repeat it, there is, it appears to be a third voice kind of doing a high harmony, like a fifth or a higher one. Um, like, uh, like it's going up a little bit. Um, so sure. it's, 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 it's sort of dangerous territory. It's clear, it's clear that Patrick is in the mix there and that he's taking that harmony. Um, but again, we're now in the, you know, the, the territory of Greg where, you know, it's tough to decipher because he's such a malleable character and he can kind of blend his voice so well. It's difficult to really pinpoint who's singing, you know, oftentimes. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, by the, by the, by the shadow of love, just what a powerful song. Uh, it's one of my favorites on Double Cross and a favorite live as well. Um, and by the time, and again, like you just said, Chris and Patrick are just singing their asses off this whole thing. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know that Shadow of Love ever came 
chronologically after the triptych of the intro of Double Cross, but I can't imagine singing through those first three songs as they do. And then doing this. Especially Murph, too, who's singing backups on Answer Was You, you know, through uh, uh, Unkind, and then both of them powering through this one, too. Like, I I don't know that that ever occurred live, but um, they're singing the whole time. And, you know, you can just hear it in their voices at the end when they get to that, uh, oh, I know, I know, living in the shadow of love, like right in the last few moments. Yeah. It's just powerful. It's really firing on all cylinders. You know, I love it when, and maybe it's because I know biographical stuff about the band and for sure following the history of the band and the guys and knowing what the four guys are like and how they, you know, maybe a little bit about what the relationships are. I love it when, in in the later period, and maybe Double Cross is now not later period anymore, but more mid period. But you know, for us then it was later period. I love hearing like same like Wish Upon a Satellite. I love hearing Chris feature Patrick. I love hearing that like you know it's 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 brotherly love, and I you know much has been made about this band being perfectly capable of having four solo artists go out in their basements and create their own music and coming together to produce it basically um whereas in 12 and which we need to talk about soon there was a regression back to and regression is maybe not the right not the right word but there was a um you know reversal of course back to what if we tried to collaborate a little bit more on certain tracks you certainly have that in double cross and in shadow of love uh, and I think that that's a feature of the band that makes it endearing to fans too, and especially to super fans who want to see that interaction between members of the band. Um, it's, I think that that's more of an emotional element of the super voice that I hear as a fan uh, whenever I hear Patrick featuring on Chris songs or vice versa, knowing, you know, again, that Patrick could have done his own backing harmonies. You know that 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 was that was not the case. I love his inclusion of Patrick too, and and vice versa. And I, I love their friendship. And again, I, I don't want to. We are focusing yeah. on the super voice. We're focusing on two guys in the band, and obviously everybody in the band is amazing, and their voices are all incredible. Uh, and we'll talk yeah. more about that in just a second. But I mean, I love the friendship of Chris and Patrick. You know, I obviously don't know it intimately, but you know from the pictures that they post. I mean, there was video going around pictures. Uh, during the making of album 13 where Chris and Patrick are just kind of sitting close to each other on a couch, kind of working out guitar parts and stuff. And it just looks so, uh, I don't know, uh, brotherly, like you said, in a way. And I mean, that might be a sort of cheesy word to use. Um, I think that was Jay Coyle's word, but of the entire crew as a whole, but um, yeah, just seeing these guys after all this time, just sitting there and and, and hashing it out and figuring it out and making sure that it's right. Um, And, you know, seeing the pictures of the past couple of years of Chris going over to Patrick's or Patrick goes over to Chris's and they're sitting in the backyard together. Um, uh, Anyway. So yeah, I I just love their friendship as it appears, you know, in the, in, in in pictures and in video and stuff. And, you know, to be, to be frank, friend, like, Paul and Paul and John and I. I don't want to go on this whole endeavor of comparing the Beatles to Sloan and Fabcast to Sloancast because, quite frankly, two completely different leagues. Interpret that as you may. Um, but I, you know, I feel as though success kills friendships in many ways. And can we be thankful for a minute that Sloan is is what they are? They've reached a degree of success in you know in which they can have a, a following that is sufficient to sustain their 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 being over thirty years and really sustain their 
their friendships, quote unquote, within the band. Whereas more having having more or less success than what they've had could have potentially destroyed that that bond and that dynamic in the band. Um, we saw that you know the Beatles, uh, it, quite frankly, two giant egos in John and Paul uh, working in a completely different way, and success got to them. Um, whereas, you know, you can talk about the McLennan memes and all that, but they, those were two dudes who loved each other. And I, I think that that's, that's a really important thing in, in a business like that, you know, that a business relationship and, and, a, and a personal relationship that you're, that you're in for 30 plus years, you kind of have to have that, that sort of latent, latent love and appreciation for, for your coworker and for your friend. When it comes to your creative process, and this is this, and we're kind of getting into relationships here, which is a little off topic. But I mean, you look at any relationship, you know, that you observe, perhaps like parents or that kind of thing. You know, I, I desire to have a relationship that lasts forever. You know, For sure. you know, interpret that as you may. Um, but you know, I think about Patrick and Chris, and maybe they're not necessarily, you know, <laughs> texting or calling himself each other every day or whatever. <laughs> like, um, but having to live on a bus with each other for weeks and months on end on tour. They've done that for years and years and years, 30 plus years. Um, That takes a certain modicum of respect for the other person and ability to maintain that relationship and not totally blow it. You know, I think that they both know that they've got something very special and they both respect that. Um, Yeah. And that is to be respected, that choice, that decision to remain connected and to work things out and continue pushing forward. Um, I think this is true of everybody in Sloan. They really all understand how special this thing is that they've created. Um, and again, like we've mentioned before, like if this thing ends tomorrow, God forbid, like they've got such a, you know, an incredible history behind them and a completely unmatched body of work. So, um, yeah. so very cool. But uh, yeah, like I said, you know, who knows whether they're best buddies or whatever, but uh, like all the time, you know, contacting each other and stuff, but they know what they've got. They know that they've got something good. And um, hearing them sing together, especially on a song like shadow of love, which just requires them to both be just really pushing and really being on the mark. Uh, it's just such a treat to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe topically, moving on to the next example, number seven, all by ourselves from mm. uh, between the bridges, right. you know, um, biographical in a certain in a certain way, talking about the sequel to autobiography in the sense that you know this is a book that well maybe it's maybe it's the middle part of that autobiography triptych. Uh, Chris uh, Chris has set in motion from never hear the end of it, maybe being the third one. But uh, this idea of, you know, taking success with a grain of salt, I love that uh, Chris chose Patrick to do the interweaving super voice with him for a song called All By Ourselves, <laughs> which was about the band ostensibly, although it was, you know, it was a musical idea to begin with, riff farm, whatever. Uh, and we've, we've heard the demo off of, uh, off of the Navy Blues uh, box set all by myself which you know interestingly also featured patrick already on backups uh, on on the demo so it just you know it, it's it, it's interesting how that um songwriting process would have worked and I, I i would love to have been a fly on the wall watching chris write this and and recruiting patrick to do the backup vocals but i want to go back to the uh, alive and all right performance from february of this year 
where we heard a different mix of this song because it was a live mix, but a professional live mix, and where Patrick's vocals, in my opinion, were a little bit more prominent in the mix, as you know, as as is the case oftentimes with um, with a live setting. And it just struck me how challenging these harmonies are and how they're singing two completely different. It's, it's, not, it's not that Patrick is harmonizing with Chris. They're singing two different lead melodies. Well, Patrick, this is this is unique in that Patrick's voice goes down. He's not pushing a high harmony. Yeah. He's kind of doing like a mid tenor. Um, I don't know if it's tenor. But <laughs> I'm just thinking about the three tenors. But, it's a natural bear. Yeah, just a natural. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. Natural berry. I'll just like pretend Chris. like I know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. yeah, but I, I I just noticed, you know, audio wise that yeah, Patrick's voice is going down in this song. Very interesting. Um, but yeah, again, like you said, great uh, to hear that voice in the mix in that live performance um anytime you hear these guys live it's always such a treat to just hear how powerful their voices are together yeah but isn't it interesting that you have to give conscious thought to is chris taking the high harmony or is patrick taking the high harmony here because in this case it's patrick doing the low harmony which is not you know, typical it's usually patrick doing the high harmony um but it feels just as natural as any song like give me that or any song in which patrick is doing is doing that high harmony so you know it goes to show you how refined i think they are in and i think that their musicality is also something that they tend to play down but that's something that you need to understand from a music theory standpoint to apply on the job to um even if you're not using terminology that you know whatever a, a musical theorist would use that uh, you have to have an understanding, uh, an innate understanding of what that feels like to uh, to apply it properly, and that is something that I think not just the band, but maybe fans and 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 people in general undersell Sloan on. Absolutely, and a couple of highlights for me in this song specifically. Um, right before the drop down in the in the towards the end of the song, where Chris is singing, you know, uh, I only hope we can make it in time, but nothing for sure, for sure. Oh yeah, like there is such a stack there, uh, and I definitely yeah. hear at least one Patrick and two Chris's there. Um, yeah. It could be yeah. more than that, but it's just such a vocal yeah. stack. It's so beautiful sounding. Uh, and, then, and then, of course, the vocal outro, just the, you got me turning and tearing. They're singing their ass off the whole outro. I want to give, so we talked about the super voice here, and, and, and I just touched on how you have to have a concept of what works harmony-wise. And I, I don't know how many musicians or wannabe musicians like myself are listening to the podcast right now, but if you ever actually try to harmonize, it sounds like it would be a really easy thing to do. But when you're in the moment trying to work against a lead melody line and you're constantly questioning yourself in your head, it's really tough. And so you have to be able to take that idea of what's a third, what's a fifth, what's a fourth? Am I singing my own melody? internalize that and then perform when the red light's on you know the, the flashing red light in the record button you have to be able to d- deliver and that's something that really requires 
a lot of experience, a lot of professionalism and talent. To be completely frank, yeah. uh, these guys are just oozing with talent. Yeah, it's it's it born and you know they've crafted it over the years, you know. And, I, and I've got to imagine, you know, for me, like I've sung in bands and stuff, and if I'm singing along to the radio, I'm always harmonizing, and I'm sure I'm getting it wrong. Like I always kind of harmonize by ear, um, just whatever sounds good. Um, so I'm not sitting at a piano going or at a, on a guitar and going, okay, what's the third? What's the fifth? I was talking about Get Back, the Beatles movie earlier, the Peter Jackson one yeah. that just came out, uh, and you see them a couple of times in there, like singing the melody and then playing the melody on the guitar and then going, okay, well, what would that be playing the guitar and then singing it? That just doesn't come overnight. You know, the ability to hear, to play the third or fifth, to to hear it back and then to replicate it and then continue doing that. I mean, again, like you said, sounds easy, but totally not. And uh, again, you're speaking about two professionals here who've been doing this for decades yeah. uh, and have just such quality voices, like I've been saying. Um, yeah, I, I imagine at this point for them, it comes as a second nature, perhaps, although I know that they rehearse like yeah. crazy. So um, if you listen to Beach Boys, Beach Boys is a great example because Beach Boys, well, and they, they took their cues from the four freshmen but who were essentially a, a traditional, more or less traditional vocal group. If you listen to the complexity of, because, you know, you're, you, I think that Murray Wilson and in, you know, in many regards, Brian Wilson were essentially treating the human voice like a piano um, and composing at the piano and really, really, really meticulously working on, you know, what do the different voices need to be doing to give the friction, the tension, and the release that you need to have in a chord progression to make it sound interesting and to give you that curve of excitement that you need in the song, that is a, that is really hard work. Yeah. And that is something that you need to be studying for years. And I, like, I want to go back on the point of like giftedness and talent mm. because if you listen to some of the demos in the box sets that we have um, and just listen to Chris or Patrick um, I would I would argue mostly Chris. He's trying out a lot of stuff on the demos. Like he seems to have a lot of he seems to have the most takes definitely in 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 his in his stuff. But just the stuff that he's trying out uh, from a vocal perspective is just really interesting musically, and it gives you the sense that this is a dude who doesn't need to think a whole lot about how he's writing uh, how he's writing melody and harmony. And kind of get- not that I'm trying to say that not that I'm trying to say that he's a better harmonist than Brian Wilson or or, or Murray Wilson. You know, it's quite the opposite, you know. But it it gives you it gives you an idea of who he you know if you can compete in the pop music world with with concepts that big, then you know you're not just you're you're not an imposter. This is you know you're the real deal. Yeah, and and truthfully, with enough practice, technically, just so anybody can sit down and you know, figure out a song by like, say, Simon, Simon and Garfunkel or something, who are you know, notorious yeah. vocalists, um, primarily singing on the first and third, and they've got a quality to their voices. There's no lesser voice between the two of them. Um, sure. But I mean, technically, just about anybody can, you know, hear a song, learn it, and then learn the harmony and probably sing it with enough rehearsal, you know. But the thing sure. that most people don't have is the ability to write and the quality of the vocals you know, singing those harmonies. It's, it's that combination yeah. of things, you know what I mean? So it's not just the, cause is again, getting back to the get back documentary, Patrick or Paul, Patrick, Paul, either interchangeable. Paul's at the, the keyboard and uh, he's at the piano rather. And uh, he's saying, you know, really this little scale, he kind of plays a scale and he goes, that's every song ever right there. You know, like they're all right there. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a matter of having taste to pull out from that 
the scale and, and, and being able to put it together as a song and then having the vocal quality and the ability and putting all those things into yeah. a cauldron and, and, you know, serving. Uh, and that's what sets uh, apart. Yeah. That's what sets these guys apart is they have not only the ability to do it, but there's some magic in there too, you know? Well, and you need to, I would encourage any of you guys and they're available in streaming now and you can just go on to Spotify or into Apple music and listen to them. But you know, I, I, for me getting my vinyl out and putting it on and then making sure my daughter is not there. So I'm not waking her or whatever. It's, it's a bit of a hassle. So I haven't listened to the box sets as frequently as I probably should, but you know, recently having re-listened to a lot of the box set material, um, songs like, um, well, the songs that had a long gestation period, like Your Daddy Will Do, which was Daddy Be Cool, and, and it, you know, there, there were interminglings or elements of uh, Your Daddy Will Do happening in the mid-90s. You know, Chris invented the, the bridge part pretty early, too. Uh, and, and listen to the harmonies that he's working with on that sort of soaring bridge bit. This yeah. is a tangent away from the super voice, but sure. to give it context in, in a musical perspective, like dude's not messing around that is you know that that that's 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 musicianship right there that's part of the magic Um, which is what i was saying yeah totally you know that's that's a dude who knows how to write music right that's not a a rock star who knows what sounds good that is a, a dude who knows how to write music and that's these guys in a nutshell i mean all the four of them just writing quality at such an elite level um yeah you know and then and then obviously understanding that they kind of maybe not so much more recently but they kind of curate each other's songs and you know jay and chris kind of collaborate a bit and that kind of thing um you know so combining those elements and those brain trusts together is always an interesting combination but um but yeah you nailed it i mean like we're talking about like top shelf elite songwriters here um Yeah. yeah or the or the or the ending of of summer's my season right the you know the little things like that uh that really show you that you know chris patrick uh these guys they know how to write for uh for the male lead voice and for their own voices for sure absolutely it's funny you mentioned earlier i don't know why i was thinking i wrote this down as a note you mentioned uh uh fabcast again and i've got to just admit i've i've when we started i so wanted Mm -hmm. to do the anybody who's heard fabcast i wanted to do the napa auto parts opening to make (laughs) to make our podcast sound more uh, legit uh so maybe somebody working for napa or whoever who anybody wants to sponsor us i've always wanted to open like you know you're listening to sloancast brought to you by napa auto parts get the job done with napa know-how anyway I digress. <laughs> oh god, we need to get Firestone or something. Like, I don't know. We just need to get like a really cheap something, really cheap something sponsor. random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I've got a couple more here. Uh, let's look at. I want to save one for last, but let's look at everybody wants you sure. from Never Hear the End of It, which again, a, a clear cut Chris song, Chris featuring Patrick. Interesting in the sense that Patrick is doing a fourth here in a lot of cases, which adds a different kind of dynamic to the harmony. Uh, at least, is you know, I, I might be wrong here. I have to think about it. I want to say quickly before you begin, a window into the process. Yeah. We see this harmony taking shape in the Never See the End of It videos. Perhaps you want to include an audio clip uh, yeah. of that. It's Chris kind of right. doling the part to Patrick and saying, this is how it goes. And then you hear Patrick doing yeah. a take of it. No, no, you're right for everything except for the very last thing. Like, hope nobody hears, hope nobody hears. 
Um, so that that part in that song, you know, coming so early on in the album as well, and just such a classic song in general. Um, yeah, an incredible one from Chris. Um, that harmony in the part in the song was always made more special by the fact that I saw them kind of recording it on that video. Yes, um, and it stands yes. out more. Maybe perhaps if I hadn't seen that. Um, so the visualization of it has really drawn me to that part the whole time. But yeah, like hope nobody hears, hope nobody hears. Yeah, and I, you know, it's for for me too. The I don't want to say un- unconventional because that's it's not like inventing the wheel here, but Patrick's harmony is not mimicking the, the, the lead melody. Um, so long. Hope nobody hears about it. Like it's not, it's not following the same line and it adds that kind of tension in there. And that's, I think that that, did he bring that or was that Chris? Did that I think judging on the video, that was Chris's idea and he was showing Patrick how to sing it and Patrick got it right away. You know, that's, I think this is just another great example of picking the, your, your strengths, choosing the strengths that your bandmates bring to the table and dropping them in, in your song. Yep. Chris knows how to sprinkle on those toppings, man, onto that Sunday. And I'm, ta- I'm always talking about food, crying out loud. Uh, who's, who's Weird Al now? Anyway, but yeah, I mean, he knows how to sprinkle on the goods and Patrick's got it vocally. So he knows how to spread it around. So, but yeah, I, I love this. And I, and I Get hope yourself and they can beat it, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, anyway, when we play the clip of this song, if it's already occurred or you're about to hear it on the episode, but um, yeah, just love. This is another great example of Patrick hitting that high harmony powerfully over Chris's lead. Yeah. And I, I want to do a little bit of self-promotion here, but uh, I want to give a little uh, shout out to a uh, Sloancast listener, um, personal buddy of mine, Brad Martell, who I, I, I am in awe of this guy's musicianship, um, but he's, um, he's helped me do he's helped me finish essentially a couple of what am i going to say half finished crappy covers of sloan songs and do it in, in in a much more professional way that i would be able to do and we actually uh recently collaborated on our first song together from the ground up and we chose everybody wants you uh because it is just such an iconic collaborative effort and i think that that was one of the things that popped out to us was we were talking about it you know uh, Brad is going to do lead vocals on this, um, but one of the things that we agreed on is like we just love the interplay of the two vocal parts on yeah. the song, and uh, you know you have a little bit of everything in the song, and you kind of have that that outro bit by Chris where he's doing the la da la da 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 da's. It's uh, it's it's vocally just really tantalizing, and it, it's maybe the only example on Never Hear the End of It of this of this super voice phenomenon. Yeah. And and everybody wants you just as a song in general is tucked away on an album halfway through their career at this point. And it's any other bands like classic, you know, uh, as a Sloan fan, it's so easy. We always say to take these guys for granted and, but just the song quality is so off the charts and good God, somebody needs to do a podcast about these guys. So I think we're on to the last one of the of the of the ten picks that that we discussed, mm. and it's one of the more obvious ones. It's certainly one of the more collaborative tracks from a singles perspective. Uh, if it feels good, do it from two thousand one. Whose song is it? Is it? 
Patrick's song? Is it Chris's song? What's your opinion, Rob? Yeah, well, it's it's Patrick's song, but it's similar in money in in, in the way that Money Scene Maniacs is, and then it's diff- more difficult to tell, you know. And they're singing the whole mm-hmm. time, and again, we've got the formula of Chris ha- or Patrick rather handling the main melody and Chris hitting the high harmony. Um, yeah, uh, and Chris kind of coming in with a little call and response stuff here and there. Um, but yeah, just a really strong song vocally the whole time. Again, they're singing the whole time. And uh, yeah, it's this song has all of the ingredients of just classic Sloan songs and songs that a lot that, that, that most people know. East, hit the ground and kept running east. And now it's all catching up to you. I see space usually do. about letting go and feeling good and positive and removes you from your day-to-day. And it's, for me, it is a, a, in line with Losing California, the other, maybe one, one of another two or three examples of, let's get Chris to do the, the high melodies and to do to do even higher melodies in the chorus or in the outro to power the energy of the song because this needs to be a high-energy single. So. You know, if you listen to the to the to the height and the power that Chris is using in the chorus of if, if it feels good, do it. That's what defines the song for me. There's a lot of stuff that that is really iconic about this song, but for me, when I hear that song, when I heard that song for the first time, that is what stood out to me: is Chris's high harmonies on that chorus, um, and it's a track that is just so charismatic in many ways, and it's a little bit cheesy. Uh, and you know we've certainly talked about the the generous dabbling of cheese in in in, in certain song, songs in the Sloan catalog, but from an intentional perspective and from a very like self aware using cliches to your advantage perspective. Um, and so that that's playing out in the intermingling of these guys' voices throughout the song too, and even just the fact that Chris does like a spoken word intro to if it feels good, do it. You know. Um, where it's almost, you know, who does a spoken word intro to like, it's, and in, he does it in, I like, uh, pick it up and dial it is essentially one spoken word. It's a spoken word song, essentially. Like, it's a rap, you know? So that's, um, I, I'm getting off on a tangent here about pick it up and dial it. So I excuse myself, hey, but this is the place um, to do it. I'm the guy. Come on. I, you know, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a really hard pull. Um, but <laughs> <what she> uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah. But I mean, like in terms of feels good, I mean, like uh, if you look at the song, they're really only, I mean, there are a couple of solo lines there from Patrick, but for the most part, it's them singing together the whole time, you know, like the entirety yeah. of the song. And again, like it's got that incredible culmination at the end, um, you know, Saw it all and I can't deny. It's a hallelujah. When the song crescendo. And that's where you're the phasing there. Yeah, too. It, yeah, it's just like their voices kind of mix into the music and the the whole song kind of then shoots into the outro. And depending on what version you're listening to, whether it's the radio edit or whatever, there may be another chorus at the end. But um, this is one of those songs where, like, the chorus is sort of indistinguishable from the verse. It doesn't really have one. It's a weird one. Yeah. Um, but they're just singing the whole time. And, um, yeah, it's, it's it's such a favorite of mine and love it live. It's so powerful. 
Uh, it's the best. And might, I, might I just add that, and this was probably not designed. So guys, if you're listening to this um, and and it was designed, then I, you know, I, I don't mean to, to demean this, but um, the chord voicings, the guitar chord voicings that are being used mimic, in many ways, the super voice. Mm. And this is something that happens in other places in the catalog, but I feel as though it's very um, audible on if it feels good to do it, is you have... Patrick, and this is the live setup. It might just be Patrick playing both lead guitars on the on the studio track, mm. but on the live setup you have, and on the video you have Patrick doing the open chord voicings or the traditional chord voicings down the neck, and you have Jay playing the high chord voicings up the neck, uh, and it very much sounds like a guitar super voice too. So it yeah. kind of parallels what's happening on the Chris Patrick thing. It's a high low. It's a different timbre. Um, Certainly, it's effective in, in the live shows, and that's what they do in a lot of their songs, um, which makes sense in, in a two, basically two rhythm guitar band. There aren't really lead or rhythm guitarists in Sloan, um, and it just really adds a sense of sophistication to and refinement to to the song. This is again that magic, and it's something that you don't get out of every band. I mean, like <clears throat> you know, the bands that I've been in, if there were two guitar players, those two guitar, two guitar players are playing the same part, you know. Like, uh, and right. I think, and, yeah. and everybody who's you know who knows what they're doing, Sloan included, and you know the Rolling Stones or whoever, you know, I don't know anything about guitar, but I can tell that there's two different parts playing at the same time. There's a, there's a magic right. there as well. Yeah. So, you know, as you compound these things, you know, that occurring in the guitar and on the vocals, you're getting an output that just instantly has a magic already. Um, yes. But uh, anyway, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we've got through we've got through 10 super voice tracks and I'll I'll read them off again. Oh, we haven't. We have one more fuck that shit. For the last track, I on our 10 song super voice list, I had a bit of a curveball where I was writing to you about this uh earlier this week and I I sent you basically my thoughts on the 10 songs. Um, and I forgot to add my little caveat about this because the next track I said, Marcus said, and you're like, reasonably enough, isn't that Jenny Pierce? Um, you know, not that the voice is distinguishable from Patrick's voice in any which way, but listen to Marcus said on the Four Nights at the Palais Royale live version. It's on par, if not for me, even better than the album version yeah. in terms of impactfulness. The the tempo is up maybe four or five BPM. It's a little bit more energetic. And Patrick just handles that in a live setting. He handles those backing vocals, Jenny Pierce's female backing vocals, uh, probably on night four of four nights or whatever, uh, in just such a graceful manner. It just sounds so natural and so great. Uh, and this is a song that, you know, I don't think they were performing it a whole lot in 98. I think that the the Four Nights of the Palais Royale re- recording was them sort of exercising demons and kind of saying, okay, we're going to play some of the smear stuff yeah. here, and that'll be kind of the final statement on it. 
Um, and you can, you kind of get that impression. And I mean, you said earlier, go back and listen to, you know, Marcus said on Fortnite. I would say go back and listen to Fortnite as a whole. Like if you haven't heard it in a while, like it's one to easily kind of just disregard if, if, if you're not aware of it, cause it's on Apple music, it's in like the live section. Um, and, and looking at live albums to me, I'm not really somebody who's like a huge fan of live albums or whatever. Like if I, if I hear, if I want to hear the song, I just want to hear the recorded version or whatever, but these yeah. guys are a band that have that quality where, the live version has an energy and a quality vocally that doesn't exist on the recording and is superior in certain ways. And another great example of that too, is one of my favorite recordings in the Sloan catalog is the party album, uh, which you can hear on uh, Bandcamp in the uh, extended one chord to another uh, yeah. uh, party album. Uh, it's just so fucking great. And it's a couple of originals and they're playing some covers and stuff, but there is plenty of examples throughout of, Oh, for sure. Wouldn't want to lose your love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, even though that's, I think, yeah. yeah well, yeah. Chris and Patrick on that one for sure. Chris or Patrick rather taking lead on that one. Um, yeah. But uh, so fantastic that whole thing vocally is yeah. magnificent. And then you have you have the unsung super voice in Sloan, the Fiona Andrew super voice doing glitter and gold. Yeah. Oh yeah. Pa- Andrew. I mean, God, man, I could do a whole show on Andrew singing on glitter and gold. Like, oh my God. And, and then you just feel, I mean, I feel the love in that song, but that's another episode that we probably will never get to. It's okay. um, I, I want to do a party album episode so bad. I'm dreaming about it. So we have our 10 songs. Um, you had mentioned as well, and I have, I have one or two as well. There, there were some honorable mentions For sure. in terms of the, the super voice selection. What, what did you have? I'll go through mine quickly. Um, and then this is a guy, obviously again, again, examples of songs where they're not singing together the whole time, but there are some magical moments. Uh, and I recall on much East in <clears throat> late 97, prior to the release of Navy blues, there was a show with the guys playing in Halifax. I don't remember the venue or whatever, but there's a great, there's video of it for sure online on our channel anyway, yeah. of them playing a pre-released Iggy and Angus. And it's just them kind of playing the, the last part of the song. Like it, it hurts. It's cool, but it feels real good. That's all, all right. Like Chris hitting that high mm-hmm. harmony over top of Patrick, and then them together going all right. You know, and that just being such a moment. I was like, I I don't know this song. I'm seeing it live for the first time. I'm already in love. Such a powerful uh, musical moment. And again, that song is so special just because I saw that clip before the record came out. Um, obviously, yeah. good in everyone is Patrick and Chris on the the chorus the entire time. Another classic. Um, and from our last, well, I want to go back to I want to go back to Iggy and Angus for sure, a second because sure. that's another case where that you know that uh, harmony very much complements the uh, one of my favorite things about rock music the multi-track guitar solo uh you know the boston-esque uh multi-track guitar solos uh, coupled with a flanger at the end you know it's it's all kind of in the same it's all it all has the same dna right very unique that song i got especially the recording obviously you said flange that's the word i'm looking for like when they get to that final and their and their vocals yeah. and the guitar the whole song really is like the fl- is run through a flange or something like that and it goes sure. into this like cosmic spiral um they played it at the show that that i just saw a month or so ago uh, at the phoenix here in toronto they did the navy blues uh, album from sure. top to bottom for probably the last time in a long time and yeah again seeing a song that's not normally in the set list like iggy and egg is just such a a yeah. fucking incredible track um so so yeah. awesome to see it live and um it's one that i kind of put in my honorable mentions 
Uh, as, yeah. as well, too, Paul Myers on the last episode had a relationship to Missy's Beside Herself. Um, Patrick and Chris are singing together on that one as well. Um, I, right, I love yeah. <clears throat> my favorite part being the part that I mentioned on Paul's episode, which is the, you know, I love you, but I can't resist the we shall never be apart part. Um, yeah. is, is so fantastic. That little moment before the song drops out and comes back in again is so beautiful. It's got this. Str- I just want to note. Uh, not that it should surprise anybody because he is a, you know, or was, is a professional musician, but Paul has a great voice. That, that cover version of, of, um, of Missy's Beside Herself holds its ground pretty well. I, I loved that treat at the end of the last episode and I hope the listeners did as well. Yeah. So nice of him to, uh, allow us to use that and a great cover of a song again. Like, I mean, it's kind of tucked away on Commonwealth. Uh, but for me, it's a real Chris sleeper, like yeah. I said in that last episode, but, um, and then another, another example of this occurring in a, in another writer's song, one of the more popular sing-alongs in people of the sky, like the bop, 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 bop harmony is Patrick and Chris, you know, they, they make up, really? they make up okay. that, uh, or at least that's what it sounds like, or at least certainly that's what's happening. That's what's occurring live. Um, okay. but they're doing that. They, they harmonize that bop, 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 bop part, you know, in the chorus. Uh, and then a couple of unique examples, false alarm on, uh, action pact is, uh, towards the end of the song, when they get to the, something always happens whenever we're together. Mm-hmm part and uh they start kind of going into it's been so long you really hear chris and patrick and jay i don't know that andrew's in that mix vocally i doubt it because i think he was just there to play drums but uh, a great example of the three of them layering and they're not necessarily the the they're they're singing together that something always happens whenever we're together which is sort of funny like that line is the three of them singing it together uh and the right. thing that's happening is them singing together um but that whole outro to false alarm i i implore you to go listen to the end um uh, because you are hearing you know the three standing members of the band chris patrick and jay kind of singing together and agreeing in that outro a really cool unique yeah. moment and then of course the, the the most legendary example of everybody singing on the song together is flying high again everybody gets Thank a you. verse and then at the end of each verse, each chorus is different because a different lead singer is singing the lead. And then the, the background vocal is a different because I really listened to it today and I could be wrong, but the background version, the background vocal rather flying high again is a different stack of people each yes. time. It's not as though they could have very easily just cut and pasted. This one sounds yeah. best. Let's stick it here, stick it there. Because when Patrick is singing lead, his voice is absent from the background vocals. And when Chris is singing lead, his voice is absent from the background vocals. It's it's true to form. And again, yeah. pa- I mean, Fly Again is, High Again is another obvious one. They, they still play it live. They still open shows with it. It's a classic at the beginning of an incredible yeah. fucking album. But, um, but for those who are maybe not as aware vocally of what's occurring, there's a great song where you've got all four of them singing. Uh, and another yeah. really unique, special moment. 100%. And that's, you know, I think this is an extension of the Super Voice concept. Um, I, I, I'm i going to have to dig back into uh, song for song, the catalog, and, and really give it a good, good listening because a lot of the time you don't really get a sense of who is doing what in the vocal stack. Um, but to maybe give one or two examples that I had considered that we didn't talk about, um, in, in terms of that characteristic uh, Patrick Chris super voice had enough from the, the bonus track off of pretty together, the Japanese bonus track um, 
the moment for me is a song and dance um which i think then to back to i'm not sure when it was uh when chris was saying that patrick he had to basically coerce patrick to sing that line because he kept rolling his eyes at the idea of singing song and dance in the sloan song <laughs> but the the fi- th- that final that final soaring um harmony pre uh coda of the song pre finale of the song um, where there's a little bit of that microphone distortion uh, going on there to give it that power. Um, you know, you you can't achieve that with Patrick on Patrick or Chris on Chris. It's only achievable when you have the two guys mixing their timbres uh, and 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 really and really adding, uh, really complementing each other in terms of their vocal characteristics. That's one example for me. Didn't stand out enough to be on the top ten. Another one I kind of wanted to include it on the top ten, but it's a B side anyways. Laying blame. Uh, and yes. Lane Blame being one of my favorite Sloan songs, exemplary in many ways of what we were talking about beforehand of the capability. And this is a classic, I'm going to write harmony for a chorus example, but the capability to write a harmony that sounds um, as though it might be two lead lines, but really the melody veers off, the, the harmony veers off and comes back home to, like, if you think about Chris's line. Just as long as I have you. And Patrick is doing the Just as long as I have you. So they meet at the U at the end. It just sounds organic and natural. And then you have this weird, whack, funky bridge thing where they're kind of also just ad-libbing, you know, Oz over over distorted guitars and just it's it's very 1993 yeah um it's very like that's the only part of the song that is sort of early 90s sounding the ah ah part i kind of feel as though the whole thing is very i know what clothes they were wearing when they were running like that's that's the i it's very for me very shoegazy um you know, it would have been a song in which live performances, they would have certainly, there would have been more, there would have been body contact between the band members. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? There, there would have certain, there would have been some rolling around and some jumping. But just the quality of the song too. I mean, laying blame for me again, criminal that it's just a B side. Um, and it came out in the past two years on that, on one of the fabulous, I think the first B sides collection. Yeah. Fantastic. And it's on Bandcamp, I think as well. Um, but yeah, if you haven't heard that one in a while, good God. I mean, it, it, they're obviously still in that early nineties period, but their shoes are definitely pointed towards where they would be going on twice removed in sure. a song like laying blame for, for guys in their early twenties. I mean, God, like I put yeah, that song I, it's, it's, over, over top of all of their contemporaries on DGC and, you know, well, and, I whatever. and this is the, this is the enigma for me is that, so I, you know, Chris, we know Chris is an incredible songwriter, incredible musician witty um eclectic etc patrick for me is the is the more enigmatic part of this equation and he's the guy for me from from my perspective who makes the super voice possible um not just because of his vocal quality but i think he has this innate sense of what sounds tantalizing as a harmony and how he can use that to complement the lead the lead part and i think that's something that they fleshed out throughout their first couple of years culminating then in songs like underwhelmed laying blame uh well marcus said is a jenny pierce song but you know live marcus said 
And it just feels so natural and it feels so iconic and it feels so it wouldn't surprise me if these songs were that that wasn't a, you know, premeditated thing that Chris came up with the harmonies, but it sounds totally planned. It sounds like this is something that they really collaborated on. Totally. And Patrick is, I mean, I think Paul Myers kind of touched on this in the last episode. The the interesting thing about Patrick is that, you know, if if Sloan are a potted plant, he's the root that's kind of growing out of the pot the longest and working its that's way up it. the wall, you know? And you've got this yeah. this rocker guy who's, you know, <clears throat> he's he, you know, he's seen Maiden Live and you know, he you know, he loves Zach Wilde and his gear is like, you know, in the harder rock you know, uh, and his look is more like harder rock or whatever, but there he is still, sure. you know, harmonizing with on these, on these beautiful songs with Chris and, you know, pulling out, I can feel it and that kind of thing. So again, we're talking about a band of such high quality that the different characters, uh, you know, what makes them so much fun and so interesting is that this beautiful music comes from this, this gang of guys who at first, first glance appear to all be the same band. But then when you get underneath the skin, mm-hmm. everybody's really a, an individual, uh, and the fact that they've yeah. been able to put those pieces, the square pegs, if you will, um, together for so long. Again, I keep saying the word magic, but um, it, it is it is nothing short of that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, music theory is uh, it's a badge of honor to wear if you're trying to impress musical theorists. And at the end of the day, that magic exists in the emotion that the music evokes among everyday listeners. Uh, and that for me is so like emblematically represented by the Sloan super voice, by that intermingling uh, double helix of Chris and Patrick sharing lead, uh, harmonizing on each other's songs, coming together to write harmonies um and driving the power in the singles that's that that is for me one of the underappreciated and very very um dynamic and important aspects of the greatest band of all time awesome well this has been a journey um i would encourage anybody to take that same journey through the catalog and really listen closely (laughs) to the vocal stacks and really listen closely to how uh harmonies are being composed on the sloan songs listen to the demos and how they're going through that um it's always on point these guys are the greatest band of all time for a reason. Uh, and it was great diving into this with you, Rob. Hey, everybody. Rob here just checking in from the Sloancast mobile uplink unit here at uh, Dundas Westfest. Uh, the guys just played here in Toronto. An amazing show. Uh, I tried to get as much of it as I could on the live stream there. Hope you enjoyed that, everybody who tuned in. Just wanted to mention here before the episode is over that, of course, the guys have a bunch of dates coming up and some important information to uh, remind you. Uh, the second in the Witchfinder General Store ta- tape series, Andrew Scott is Terrified, will be airing uh, on Side Door Access June 12th at 8 p.m., so for sure get tickets for that at Side Door Access. Uh, it's going to be a show, uh, Andrew, as well as guests, performing, I believe, songs from the Smeared album in his home. Uh, and in his art studio, so that should be amazing. Uh, additional dates from the guys, uh, June 25th in Sarnia, July 22nd in Lucan, Ontario, uh, July 29th in St. John, New Brunswick, July 31st in uh, New Glasgow, Nova Scotia, hey uh, August 5th in Kitchener, my hometown, uh, amazing. Uh, August 20th in Paris, Ontario as well, so tickets are available at sloanmusic.com, and uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Sloancast. We'll have some more content coming up for you ASAP. Other than that, have a great one, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.